Thank you, Corey. Good morning, everyone. It's so good to see everyone here. I want to welcome you to our new member Sunday. We do these twice a year. And let me give you the, the rationale for this Sunday, the reason why we do this. And uh, if you've been with us the last couple of months, you will have been uh, very aware of the fact that we've been preaching through the book of Ephesians. And the book of Ephesians has a distinguishing feature that it's not just written to you as an individual, but it's written to us as a church. And in America, it's a little difficult for us to reorient ourselves from an individualistic view of things to a corporate view. But biblically, that is very much the view. Uh, Even in the Old Testament, when it says uh, the Son of God or the Son, sometimes that's even speaking of of a whole nation, a whole people. So God will often look at a people and, and see one and see one and see a people. And so... There's this idea, and even captured by our, our little logo here, of Christ, and yet we all make up the body of Christ, which is very biblical. It's actually what Ephesians talks about. So I want to try to reorient you and to have you think, you know, this is me. These, these things we're hearing about today, this, this is part of me. And these folks are becoming a part of us. Not that they weren't a part of us, but, but in a biblical, I think, special way as they join and become members, there's something happening here this morning of God, born in the heart of God, played out in the year 2012 here in Miami Lakes in a middle school auditorium. But don't miss what God's doing. So so that you don't miss what God's doing, turn in your Bibles to Ephesians 2, 11. Because God here reveals to us in His Word what He's doing. He, He reveals His mind to us. He reveals the importance of this day to us. It's the time for graduation all over the city. There are graduation parties. I've already been to one. I'm sure I'll be to several more. For sure I'll be to one more. My son's graduating. Uh, I will be at that one. Uh, and, and all over neighborhoods and schools, colleges, there's the commencement speeches and all that kind of stuff. But, but man, today, heaven's leaning forward and peering over the rails, as it were, of heaven, and they're peering down at this church, and they're peering down today because this is what's happening. Ephesians 2.11. Ephesians 2.11. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated, from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise. Whenever God wants to curse a people, He separates them. He scatters them. Think of Tower of Babel. Scattered them, scattered their language. When He wants to bless a people, He brings them together. He gathers them. He forms them into a body. In our fallen nature, we want to be alone, do our own thing, don't need you, don't need the drama, don't need the headaches, leave me alone, I'm going to do my own thing. And in America, with our wealth, sometimes we can get away with it. Those days, I think, are coming quickly to an end. But God is saying, let me gather you. You who once were alienated, hopeless, scattered, now I'm going to reconcile you and deal with that alienation from me primarily. I'm going to bring you together. Under what? The covenant of promise. Further, it describes us before Christ. Having no hope, without God in the world, verse 13 of Ephesians 2. Please open your Bibles and put your fingers on these verses. 
important verses. If you don't have a Bible, there's one right back there. If you can't find one back there, scoot up next to somebody that has a Bible. These are God's words. Verse 13, but now, but now, but now, in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near. How? By the blood of Christ. That's what we just celebrated. By the blood of Christ. Verse 14, for he himself is our peace who has made us both one. Now here it's speaking of the Jew and the Gentile, but, but really those of us who were alienated, he's now made us one by his blood and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of two. I want you to put your finger on that, highlight that. Verse 15 of Ephesians 2. He has created one new man. It's called the body of Christ. A new identity. Many people with a new identity in Christ, not losing their distinctives, no, no, not losing the things that make us diverse, but, but, but living under the thing that makes us one. That's the blood of Jesus and the new covenant and being reconciled with God and now with one another into one body. Called in Christ, conformed into the image of Christ in community. Verse 16, and might reconcile us both to God. Amen. That's the first thing we need is reconciliation to God. In one body, that's Jesus, through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Verse 17, and he came and preached peace to you who were far off. Oh, thank you, Lord, for preaching peace to us and peace to those who were near. And he's talking about the Jews there. For For through him, Jesus, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. That's the point. Through Jesus, we all of us here have access By one spirit, the Holy Spirit, to God the Father. There's the Trinity. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens. We're no longer strangers and aliens. Isn't that good? It's not good to be alienated, to be strangers. It's better to be family. Oh, we'll fight. But we're family, man. Everybody wants a family. They just don't want a a dysfunctional one, but they all want a family. God put it in our hearts. But you are fellow citizens. Now he moves from family to fellow citizens and with the saints and members of the household of God. That's us. We're the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. That is to say their teaching, the gospel. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Now verse 21 of, of Ephesians 2 is the key. This is what's happening. Verse 21 of Ephesians 2 is what you're seeing with your own eyes this morning. In whom... The whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple. Interesting metaphor. How does a temple grow? I thought a temple built is built. Well, it is, unless it's a living temple with living stones. We're a living temple, a holy temple, because we're saints, called by God before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in Jesus. We don't look that way sometimes, and we don't act that way sometimes, but that's our destiny, together being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Verse 22, in him, that is in Christ, you also, that's all of us, are being built together. What you're watching this morning is some more stones, living stones being added to this temple here. Being built together into what? This is amazing, guys. Into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Is that a big enough vision for you? A dwelling place for God by the Spirit of God. So that's what you're viewing this morning. God is doing it. This is what is happening here. 
But before we receive these new members, I want us to hear a testimony of what God is doing through us, the members of Palm Vista, in Cuba. Because I think they're an extension of us. Okay? Some of you have children that live in other cities. Um, I, I want you to hear about some of the, the rest of the family, our family, in Cuba. And, and, and God has really given us the blessing to be participants of this mission. As some of you may know, Corey Smidgen and Bentley Crawford, uh, two men that serve here at the church, Corey is a pastor, Bentley is administrator, traveled to Cuba in May. Uh, the second week, second full week of May. And they went with a specific purpose. And so I would like Corey to please come up at this time and share with us the purpose and give you an update from our family in Cuba. Thank you, Al. would love to do that. If we could just put up the first photo here as I begin. It's great. You go back one. Thanks. By the way, that is not Cuba. Maybe some of you are saying, man, I haven't been back in a long time, but that, that's not how I remember it, Corey. Don't worry, it's not Cuba. I'll explain in a minute here. But let me read from Isaiah 55, verses 10. Just hear the word of God, verses 10 and 11. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seeds to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Thank you, Lord. Well, I went to college not too far from one of the hottest places on earth. It's called Death Valley. As you see from the photograph, and as you can surmise by its very name, it's not a very hospitable place. Sub-sea level salt flats surrounded by mountain outcroppings that just trap in the searing heat of the desert. Few people can live there. Frankly, few people want to live there. But in every generation or so, there comes heavy rains in the winter and the spring that fall upon Death Valley, as it did back in 2005. You see, there are dormant seeds, so to speak, that lay beneath the dry, parched, baked soil. And when those rains come, Oh, when they come, those seeds sprout and they explode in color and they transform this barren landscape into a garden of yellow and sometimes orange and purple. Church, I believe this is a wonderful picture of what happens when God washes us with his word, i.e. Isaiah 55 that I just read. We grow, we flourish even in the harshest, most difficult environments, even in places like Cuba. This text and this illustration is how we began our time with our friends, our group of pastors in Cuba. 
friends, the seeds of the gospel have been sown in Cuba. They are there. See, they were sown a long time before I arrived, before Al arrived, a long time before communism arrived to Cuba. And we believe those seeds will sprout. In fact, may I say, they are sprouting even now as the word of God is faithfully proclaimed and exposited. So here's our hope, that this landscape right here will become this next photo. Right here. This is Death Valley in bloom. This is what we're trusting God for. Same place. The word of God sprouting to life with color and vibrancy. But there's challenges, as most of you are aware. As a pastor, how do you lead and build a church? If you have no phone, no computer, no email, no internet, and no motor transportation, and neither do most of your members, I don't want to minimize the difficulties. But I believe the answer is this. You build the church in the same way. The church has been built and has been growing for 2,000 years. Before modern communication and modern transportation. How? Through the faithful teaching and proclamation of God's word and living it out through relationships. You see, that's what we came to do once again. That is our aim. Why we go to Cuba. See, as a church and as a family of churches, it's true. We had the privilege of financially supporting many pastors there on the island, as well as bringing over tangible gifts, things they need, like laptops, printers, cartridges, phone batteries, books, clothing, bike tires, you name it, and a lot more. See, all these things, they're expressions of our care, aren't they? And I believe they help promote the ministry of the word as well as personal relationship. But they're not a substitute for it. What we've been able to give our Cuban brothers and sisters over these past nine years by the grace of God is gospel-centered teaching from the word of God and relationship. We've been able to give them what we have received and experienced right here at Palm Vista. As I'll mention, on May 8th through 10th, Bentley and I met with 17 men, mostly pastors, in Matanzas, from locations stretching as far as Santiago de Cuba, way in the eastern edge of the island, all the way to Havana in the west, assembled together in Matanzas to meet. These are men related to the Sovereign Grace Pentecostal churches in Cuba, led by Manolito Fonseca and his son, Ruben. We basically went there to give them what we call the Grow Course. Many of you remember that. We went through almost the entire inductive Bible study on the book of Ephesians that we did right here at the church back in 2010, 2011. We did the charts and all, but instead of doing it in 10 months, we did it in three days. Intense. I mean, there was Ernesto who traveled 16 hours by bus in severe back pain to be there in Matanzas. There was Omar with his bloodshot eyes and yet his friendly smile. We spent hours sitting on a hard wooden pew benches with no AC, pouring over God's word. We gave them notebooks. We gave them highlighters. We gave them charts. And they gave us hours of focused attention, study, and interaction. 
I just want to put a few photos up here just so you can meet some of these pastors that we had a chance to speak with and minister to. That's the next photo. Here they are right here. Picture of all of us before we left on the final day. Church, what you're looking at here, you're looking at servants of the Lord, servants who serve mostly in silence, who serve in relative obscurity. They serve the glory of God. What a joy to meet them. What a joy to thank them. And also, what a joy to feed them. Rice and beans and meat twice a day. Trust me, they're not going to get that any other time of the year, except when they come there to gather. What a joy it was to meet these pastors and see and hear how they are serving. Let's look at the next photo as well. Great. Here's a picture of the sanctuary. This is the bottom level of the home of the Fonsecas, where Manolito and Blanquita live. They built out this bottom level and made it a sanctuary. They've done a great job. Having, it is beautiful. There's even a few guest bedrooms behind the curtains there as you go along, past those curtains, along the hallway there. And that is where we met for three days. I think that threw Ben up there, just addressing initially the pastors there who came. All right, next photo. All right. I want you to meet here. This is me giving one of the, one of the sessions here. We did nine sessions in total over those three days. And I'm with Felipe there on the right. Felipe is a Dominican brother. He's from the same, he's an elder of the same church that Rolando Espinal came from. Many know Rolando, who's now at our Sovereign Grace Pastors College. He's an elder there at that large church, which is led by another pastor named Miguel Nunez, who's been here and spoken here. Well, Al had met him previously, and Felipe came on his own dime. He came, wanted to serve through interpretation. What, what a guy. I mean, it was just, he's a fun guy. He's a great interpreter. I mean, there were several occasions where, you know, I, I'm teaching, and he's just like standing there with this, this big smile on his face and going, yeah. Oh, man, that's good. Yeah. And I say, uh, Felipe, are you going to interpret? Go, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he was just like immersed in the material. I mean, he was loving it. I mean, he was taking it to heart. He was one of us. What a joy to serve with Felipe and meet him in person. Not only did I have a chance to lead the sessions there, but Bentley as well. Next photo, had a chance to lead a session. And I love that photo, man. (laughs) I told Bentley, I just trust you, man. I I just trust you, you know. What a guy, you know. And it was funny, the session here was like, all of a sudden, the pastors had, like, all these opinions. They were just ready to share with Bentley, you know, as he got up there. And he just did a great job, a gracious job. He just kept on looking at the text. And I think he really won the respect of the pastors there through what he taught there. In Ephesians, great. And next photo. Here's just a shot of Ruben. as where all the pastors there sitting with their Bible right there and their notebook and chart. They spent many hours in that room studying and then us coming back together to share the results of our study on the book of Ephesians. Well, here is the prayer for our week in Cuba. It's the very prayer we studied back in Ephesians 1.17. Here it is. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, might give us, might give them the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of, their hearts enlightened. I love that phrase, hearts enlightened. Did you know our hearts have eyes? Oh, they do. 
See, I believe Paul in this first chapter of Ephesians is praying that his readers, his listeners, would be given spiritual eyes to see and to know the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ, which Paul mentions in his opening doxology in Ephesians. Church, I believe that God answered this prayer of hearts enlightened, of spiritual eyes. At a particular poignant moment, we were going through chapter 1 of Ephesians. We were marveling at the reality of God's grace. He who chose us in Christ before the foundation of this world. He who predestined us for adoption as sons. Here were a bent bunch of Pentecostals, mostly Arminian pastors, shouting amen to Paul's teaching on predestination. It was glorious. See, at that point, it wasn't about adhering to any theological system. It was about comprehending God's sovereign and glorious grace and seeing it for ourselves. I was able also just to speak about our family's adoption, our recent adoption of our daughter, Lana. And of course, I had to show them a photo or two as well. I mentioned that she was Russian, a Russian orphan. Before we met her, she didn't know who we were. She wasn't looking for us. But when we got the photo of Lana, when we set our affections upon her, when we traveled 6,000 miles and said, she is mine, we adopted her. That was, I think, a, a palpable moment just in the room. It, it, it was hard to stop. You see, the connection had been made to our spiritual adoption in Christ. They saw it, and they could rejoice. Now, I realize that Bentley and I are not the first to come and teach these pastors. In fact, we come and came in a long line of pastors who've been coming to Cuba and teaching. But what was most, I think, rewarding was not just teaching them, but doing inductive study of the Bible with them. Seeing how God was giving them eyes to see Scripture more and more. Just building their faith, you know, to observe Scripture and to properly interpret it. But something else is really clear as we were there in Cuba as well. Our mission is not just to teach, but to relate. Not just to give our money, but to give our lives as well. In other words, we weren't there just to meet with them in the sanctuary and teach. We were there to meet with them in the kitchen and to relate as well. The first night we had one of Blanquita's amazing meals capped off with a wonderful flan and mango marmalade. I know Bentley's still salivating over that. And uh, we were there with Ruben, his wife, Ruth, their two children, Claudia and Gabrielle. The whole extended family was there at the dinner table telling riddles, of which I got none. <laughs> none! Oh, man. We were laughing, enjoying one another. Bentley and I there, we were there with Felipe. Remember Felipe, the interpreter, our friend? Well, he just made this comment as we're gathered around. He just, he said to Ruben, he says, when he saw them laughing, just lovingly relating to their children, he he said, this is a normal. I rarely ever see this type of family interaction in the Dominican Republic. And, And I've rarely seen it here in Cuba as well. And he travels a lot to Cuba. You know what? Ruben was very quick to tell Felipe. He says, you know what? It wasn't always this way. God has changed my family. The gospel has changed my family. 
And he has used you and a number of people to do just that. And Ruben was very quick, very quick, to thank Al, not out of an obligation, but he felt for him a matter of integrity to thank Al for all the trips he has made. And for those of you who have come personally, they've witnessed your lives. They've witnessed your children as well. And this family's changed. You know what? It's having a trickling down effect on their church. As I speak through Ben and hear about the young families in their own congregation. Thank you, Lord. Well, I just want you to see another photo of Ruben, who we're talking about here. There we are, with Ruben there in the middle, of course. Is that his home? And uh, I, I love this photo. You know why? I'm thinking, man, two white boys in Cuba with Ruben. I mean, you got a guy from Mississippi on the left there who's speaking some form of Italian Spanish. We couldn't figure out what he was speaking over there. You know, I barely spent two years in Italy, you know. And here I am trying to speak Spanish, but like every other word was like Russian. Like, you know, I, I couldn't think. I just, you know, and I'm thinking, Lord, what, what are you up to here? I mean, Ruben, what do we have in common with Ruben? I'll tell you what we have in common with Ruben. We have the gospel in common. Church, I, I believe this is an expression of the glory of God right here. I mean, like God can do that. This man is a dear friend. Now, when I'm over there, I'm thinking, man, what am I doing here? I, I feel weak. I feel unqualified. But you know what? It's God's pleasure to use the weak for his own glory. And just a little unpaid commercial here. Maybe as we provide, I want us to provide more context for missions like this for you to go in the future. And you may say, you know what? I don't, I don't speak very good Spanish. You know, I'm not Cuban. I'm not this. You know what? I think God may be pleased to use you. You may be just the candidate God is looking for to display his glory as we talked about. Different peoples, different backgrounds coming together and sharing Christ in common. Just want to encourage you, if you've had that thought before, and like, who am I, you know? <laughs> oh, God is seriously concerned for his glory, and he'll use the weak. He'll use the unqualified. He'll use the least likely. That's what I experience every time I'm in Cuba. I think those who have gone as well. Great. Next photo here. Uh, the picture of all of us at the airport. I wanted you to see a picture of Ruth as well. That's Ruben's wife. Maybe you didn't know this, but Ruth is my Cuban twin sister. Let me explain that one to you. We were born on the same day and same year, about an hour apart. I think, I think Ruth was first, if I'm not mistaken here. We were separated from birth. We're back now in Cuba. Amen, together. And uh, it's just glorious. But anyway, that's... that's the phone sake is Ruben and Ruth, who I'll be referring to again later on as well. Great. Well, just listen. Cuba is still an oppressive place, but there's hope. When we were there, there was discernible hope for the church and for the future as we spent time with them. Perhaps the greatest evidence of this hope is the fact that they're still dreaming. They're still dreaming in Cuba. Oh, they are. They're still planning of doing great things and great exploits for the Lord. Our first full day there, we traveled to see the 80-plus acres of land we have helped Sovereign Grace Pentecostal Churches of Cuba purchase. That deal is in the works right now. It's on the outskirts of Matanzas. And believe me, they have plans for this land. This is farmland, farmland with a deep river that runs through it for irrigation. They're currently growing corn on this land. 
to feed the hundred pigs they're about to acquire, along with 14 cattle already on the property. But you see, this farm is a means to a greater end as well, to one day be able to build a large campsite, what we, what they, what we would call a conference center, and even one day build a pastor's college on this land. You know what? They're quite serious. Ruben brought out his 3D architectural plan on his laptop of the conference facility. It, it was marvelous. Of course, being a numbers guy, I had to ask, well, uh, Manolito, how much do you think this may cost? Without batting an eyelash, he said, oh, about a million dollars. And then Ruben, a little later on, said, and that's just for phase one. <laughs> I think I'm loving it. See, they have nothing monetarily. Yet there was faith, I believe, fueled by a godly ambition to teach people God's word and to train pastors and to do whatever it takes. So I just want to show you a few photos of that land that we visited. Great. It is a, it's been a working farm. It's been in the hands of private ownership all the way up to this day. The farmer who's been working the land is tired. He wants to retire and wants to sell the land. And there's now an opportunity now in Cuba to be able to purchase that land. So here's the land right here, his, the farmer's workshop. Let's go to the next photo. I just love that photo. That's, I just love Cuban royal palms right there. This is not too far from the river where they've grown rice in the past. And if you can almost see down the lower portion, right-hand side, there's a couple cows there you may see grazing along the grass and the palm trees. It's a beautiful piece of property. Next photo. Here we are, some plantains as well. They're in the background. Uh, let's move on to the next photo. Here's the corn. They're already growing in anticipation of getting the, the pigs. This would be feed for the pigs. And once again, just a beautiful property. They're already developing. But even with this farm property, they've also needed equipment, tools, even a truck to be able to clear the land. They've cleared quite a bit of it already. And that leads to the final photo to set here. Here we go. This is the truck that we have helped purchase for them. There's Manolito and his cowboy hat there, and this is his truck. He goes out to the farm every day, and they're working with the other laborers to clear that land, to prepare the land, not only for farming, but one day for a conference site as well. Great. Well, next summer, church, 2013, the plan is to have another youth conference. This is really, when they say youth, they talk about single young adults. To have it held in Matanzas 2013 summer with the recreational activities taking place on the farmland that you just saw on the site. Maybe some of you would consider joining us. I know Al is going back to Cuba in July just to firm up some of the plans and also dates for that conference next summer. But not only are plans being made, but lastly, relationships are being forged as well as you look to the future. You remember Felipe, our interpreter. Well, he was able to personally invite Ruben and Ruth to the next Porsu Causa conference in the Dominican Republic this September. This is the conference that Al went to last year, where C.J. Mahaney, Dave Harvey, and Jeff Perswell of Sovereign Grace Ministries spoke. Well, Felipe's church is hosting this conference once again. I think it draws around 5,000 people, and through the Internet and radio, many more people from around the Latin world. Well, Felipe was able to invite them to come. He just, he just should have seen their eyes, Ruben's eyes, Ruth's eyes, just brighten 
the possibility of traveling together to the Dominican Republic. And Felipe said, and you're staying at my house. The relationships are being forged for the future, and it's a glorious thing. Well, church, this is our mission, proclaiming the gospel with our teaching and with our lives as well. This is happening in Cuba because it's happening here. Thanks for giving us something to export. Thank you for giving. Thank you for none of you going. And thank you for praying as well. And remember, next summer, 2013. Thanks. And uh, let me tell you that there's a, there's a partnership that's going on beyond just Sovereign Grace. The money for that truck was given by a dear friend of mine from, uh, from Texas named Robert Hucklebridge. I hope one day that Robert can be here. He is a scream. He's got one of these Texas accents that just makes you laugh, bigger than life. And uh, Robert's son was, uh, was killed uh, in the Middle East in, uh, in combat. And uh, his, he took the money from his son's insurance and is investing it into missions. And Robert, I met Robert years ago when I was at another ministry in Dallas, Texas. And so I, I found out about Robert, and uh, he gave, he, out of that money, he's given several large chunks of money to buy the land, and then he gave the money for that truck. So we were able to go down and bring that money to get that truck. And, and then there's another friend of mine, Bill Arthur, who has been instrumental as well. People that aren't even associated with Sovereign Grace Ministries, and that's what I love about this. It's a partnership, guys, of the body of Christ as God is building His church. Amen? Speaking of partnership, uh, for some reason I can't see this. So there, there used to be lights on right here that shined right there. And since I'm an, I'm an old guy, I can no longer see right there. So if that light can shine again, let there be light. And there was light. All right. There we go. Keep it coming, man. Um, where was it? Yes, yeah, speaking of partnership, our own Jason Stubblefield. Remember him? All right, the other guy from Mississippi. Uh, uh, here's another uh, view of our partnership. Jason will be on staff at Lakeview Christian Church in New Orleans, Louisiana. So he just got hired. Yep, praise God. Uh, it's a wonderful church. Uh, Keith Collins is, is the, kind of the guy, pastor of preaching and vision there at that church. They have a tremendous team. The church has just flourished since Hurricane Andrew destroyed that city, destroyed their building. Their building was flooded. Say again. Yeah, I'm the one that's supposed to be doing the talking. You guys feel free to talk anytime you want. Just correct me, do anything you want. That's okay. I'm used to it. So obviously I said something wrong. What did I say wrong? I said Hurricane Andrew? Well, you know what I'm talking about, right? Because I love Katrina so much, I didn't want to say Katrina, okay? I got out of that one, didn't I? <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> feel free to interrupt me, though, anytime you want. Um, okay, let's move into receiving new members. So, guys, well, the point is this. I read the passage in Ephesians 2. This is what God is doing. He's building his church. We're a part of it. But locally, it's got to be local. As Corey said, we're exporting what God's doing. There'd be no reality if we went to Cuba without this. Without this. Just look around. This is what makes Cuba possible. It's vital. 
It's vital. So God is building to this. And he's adding, he's adding five new adult members and three children of those members to Palm Vista Community Church. Each of these adults have attended and completed our, our Our Journey new members course. We'll have another one in the fall. Each of them has professed a saving trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord. They've bowed their knee to Christ. They've confessed Him as Lord. Romans 10, God has given them new life by the Spirit. They've been born again by the Spirit of God. Each of them has expressed that they believe that the Lord is leading them to commit themselves to membership at Palm Vista Community Church. And their desire to become members, they professed that He's not only saved them from the penalty of their sin, but they have been saved to God and thus to His household. That's the point. They go together. You cannot separate them. The household of God is key. If you are truly saved and regenerate by the Spirit of God, you are truly saved to the household of God and you must be an active part of that household of God. There's no option of Lone Ranger Christianity. It does not exist in Scripture. They recognize that Christianity is not a personal religion of only vertical dimensions, just me and Jesus. No, there's a horizontal component as well. They've been saved into this new man, this body of Christ, God's household. They're committed to following and allowing God to build them together with us into His holy place, His holy dwelling place by the Spirit. Ephesians 2. Now, in a moment, we're going to put up a PowerPoint presentation for each one of these new members. You're going to hear a brief, bite-sized biography of each person written either by their home group leader or Ileana and Roberto or a friend. And the new members you're about to, to, to be introduced to, they, they have different gifts. They have different backgrounds. They have different vocations. God has brought us each one. He, he's brought us the young and the not so young. He's brought us the singles, the couples, and the families. He's brought us Anglos, Latinos, and Filipinos. There should have been a lot more reaction to that. Okay? I worked on that line for about 20 minutes. Just kidding. I'm not Corey. I realize that. He's brought us students, teachers, nurses, and administrators. Now, we're going to go through each of these uh, new members in alphabetic order. So everybody just stay seated as we do this. And I'm going to read you the bio. So without further ado. Cool. Okay. This is a tutorial on how to use Microsoft Windows. Yep. There we go. All right. Gabriel Solani. Gabriel was born and raised in Sunrise, Florida. (laughs) Feel free to interrupt all you want, guys. To Enzo and Ketmia, he has two younger siblings, Brandon and Daniela. He has a unique cultural background with Ecuadorian mom and an Italian dad. Uh, Gabriel is working at Integrated Medical Systems, and he's attending Broward College. His favorite thing to do is eat. Why is it the skinny guys, their favorite thing to do is eat? And he probably gets that from the Italian part of his blood. Uh, Gabriel enjoys boxing, working out, and paintball. Uh, He came to visit Palm Vista. uh, Actually, his family came to visit Palm Vista through an invitation from the Cooks to his parents back in 2009. And when I asked him, why does he want to join? He said, said, Al, uh, I love the, the welcoming spirit at Palm Vista. I love the preaching, the word of God. I I love the relationships, and I'm growing in Christ. And and, and once I had no hope, but now I've got hope in Christ. This is my family. Uh, And Gabriel currently is attending the Mora Home Group, though he gave a shout-out to the Gavilans as he attended there for a season with his parents. And he said Raphael in particular was someone that had influenced him greatly. But he's now attending the Mora Home Group. So that's Gabriel Solani.
All right. Next, we have Aubrey and Cynthia Kahn. Aubrey and Cynthia Kahn. And they're three beautiful little girls. Aubrey was born and raised in Panama City in the Republic of Panama. Aubrey is half Caucasian and half Hispanic. His family tradition is watching soccer, the World Cup, each four years. Cynthia was born at Fort Carson, Colorado. She grew up in Colorado and Texas. Cynthia has a mixed cultural background as well, to include German, Irish, English, and American Indian. Aubrey and Cynthia met while at college after being introduced by some friends in a parking lot. The rest is history. The Cons will be celebrating their 13th anniversary at the end of this year and have three beautiful daughters, Victoria, age 9, Isabella, age 6, and Alexandra, age 3. The Cons came to Palm Vista after moving from Arizona, and they were looking for a church with with Reformed theology and found Sovereign Grace website where they found Palm Vista. Aubrey says that he made... That what made them decide to become a member was confirmation from the Lord for them to attend Palm Vista. Also, the genuine attitude and servant approach from the church body were other key deciding factors to becoming members. Cynthia loves the in-depth teaching from the Word and the loving and welcoming atmosphere of Palm Vista. Thank you guys for that. I mean, that is a feature. That is something God has given this church. The cons currently attend the Gonzalez Home Group. Aubrey has a bachelor's degree in interpersonal organization communication from Tacoa Falls College in 2001. If you like Band of Brothers, Tacoa Falls is where they train for their airborne training. Okay, just thought I'd throw that in there. And a master's of science administration and general uh, management from Central Michigan University. And he currently works in human resources for the military at Southcom. Cynthia has a a bachelor's of science in missiology. Wow. And is a stay-at-home mom. Uh, She does the uh, classical conversations uh, tutoring, uh, and one day she would love to be on the mission field in Latin America. Well, guys, you just saw a wonderful mission presentation, wherever you are, the cons, somewhere around here. Um, Aubrey and Cynthia's favorite thing to do is spending time with their children, family, and friends. Aubrey's favorite hobbies are riding a motorcycle, which he's got a very nice one, playing and coaching soccer. Cynthia likes reading, learning new things, especially about other cultures, hanging out at coffee shops, and short-term missions trips. Well, we've got one for you, 2013. All right, next, Luna May de Assis. Luna May de Assis. Luna was born and grew up in Metro Manila, Philippines. There is a custom in the Philippines where the children are taught to respect their elders. One way of showing their respect is by blessing their elders whenever they greet them. This is now Luna's words. We slightly bow and reach the elder's right hand with our right hand and move it forward until it slightly touches our forehead. The back of the elder's hand is the part that touches their forehead. We call it manopo, or blessing the elders. Sometimes the elders will respond, God bless you, or bless you. Since the Philippines was greatly influenced by the Spaniards, I think mano was derived from Spanish, which means word. They use the word po and include it in a sentence to show respect for elders or for a person in authority. They also pay respect and perform manopo to godfathers and godmothers. I love hearing about these traditions. Uh, Luna heard about Palm Vista through Jessica Firmesa, and she just invited herself to come to church. I'm glad she did. She decided to become a member of the church because it is a Christ-centered and Bible-based church. Luna went to FIU and majored in early childhood education. She just graduated this May 2012 and was honored as magna cum laude for graduating class. Right now, she's in the process of looking for a job, and in the meantime, she works part-time at McDonald's as a shift manager. Luna loves to cook. She loves learning international cuisines, especially Asian food. She has already demonstrated some of her abilities in home group as they have have been learning some Filipino recipes. 
Una loves to sing and listen to songs. She can't go a day without music. She always plays songs through her MP3 or cell phone, wherever she goes. She also loves learning about other cultures and languages. Una is currently attending the Kelso Home Group. Her sweet smile is always welcoming, and her willingness to help is apparent. Yes, it is. She's in California, by the way. She had already planned a trip there. I think she's with some friends and visiting family. So she will not physically be here today. And then finally, Jessica Firmesa. Jessica is originally from the Philippines and her culture. Jessica, here we go. In her culture, food is the best entertainment and the highlight of a get-together party. Since dancing or drinking are not very common, then the finale is for the host to make sure there's enough leftovers for the guests to take home. So when is her next gathering? (laughs) A party is... So you laugh at that, and it was written by Ileana, and you don't laugh at the one I wrote? What's the deal with you guys? (laughs) Not a very good writer. (laughs) What's the deal? Okay, so a party is rated by the quality and quantity of food, not the entertainment. Filipinos are known for their hospitality, so when someone visits your house, you have to offer something to eat or drink, even if you don't have anything, and hope that they turn it down. (laughs) When asked if she was single or married, Jessica said she is singled out for the Lord. Jessica has her parents, Itai and Enai, as well as siblings close by. And Jessica, I'd love for Itai and Enai to join you up front here because I think that would be very appropriate because to me they're family. Um, She came to Palm Vista through Resi. She had attended the Celebration 2004 at Camp Kalakwa. When asked what made her decide to become a member, she responded that I've been hungering for biblical and expository preaching where God's word is proclaimed verse by verse and gospel-centered preaching and solid teaching, which I found here. She also, believe, she also, also because she believes in covenant biblical reform theology, which that's clearly taught at Palm Vista. She is currently working as a cardiac rehab nurse practitioner at the University of Miami Hospital. Jessica likes to read and chat with friends about the Lord's work in their lives and around them. She also loves walking in the park or track on her days off. She loves to cook, especially when friends come to the house. So I don't know about you, but I am making my appointment soon, inviting myself over for delicious Filipino food. Jessica states that she never would have guessed in her million thoughts that she would be in the same local church with Resi. The Lord has a different plan, and she loves it. Jessica currently attends the Calso Home Group. Isn't that great? Amen. So, as we, as we conclude, let's just have, uh, Desi, would you come up here? Corey, the gifts are right here. You can figure out who's, is, who's there. And uh, let's see, let's start with Gabriel. Gabriel, are you here? I know he had to work. He's been working a big project with his dad. Great. Come on down, Gabriel. Yeah. All right. And then the cons. Are the cons here? I know that they're caring for their father. Okay, come on down. And bring the girls down if they're here. If not, that's fine. Yeah, come on down. Aubrey and Cynthia. All right, so let's show a picture of Luna right now because she's not here, right? Can you put a picture of Luna up? Luna. Luna? Not Jessica, but Luna. Back one. Okay. That would not be Luna, (laughs) in case you're wondering. We'll give Luna three seconds. We'll give Luna two seconds. We'll give Luna one second. Okay, let's just clap for Luna anyway, shall we? That's right. All right. And then finally, uh, Jessica, would you come on down? And Itai and Enai, would you come down with her?
Are they here? Can they come down? Would it honor them to come down? Could you ask them? It would honor us if they came down. Tell them it's my request. Oh, good. I'm so glad they're coming down. Yeah, let's just, let's just welcome them. Now, these are, these, are, these are godly folks who I just, I just want to tell you, I, I honor them. And so I just want to do that. God bless you. Stand, stand right there. Yes. Oh. oh, friends, the body of Christ. She's beautiful. She's diverse. She's unique. She's growing. Uh, we are becoming more and more like Christ. We are called in Christ. We're conformed in community. And I just want to conclude uh, this morning by praying. After I pray, it's going to dismiss us. And would you just come up and, and greet, give them a big hug? Uh, but I want to pray the prayer that actually Bentley preached uh, several weeks ago out of Ephesians 3, 14 to 19. I pray this prayer for us, for these new members, and for Palm Vista, and for God's, God's work here in the city. Lord God, I pray from your word, Ephesians 3, 14 to 19. Lord God, I, I, just, I just pray right now that you would give us, Lord, the grace. Lord, I bow my knee before you who are the, who are the, the one who, who names every family. That, that naming of us indicates your authority, that you're over us. It also indicates our identity. Lord, I bow my knee before you that according to the riches of your glory, Lord, the riches of you who are a generous king, you would grant us, you would grant these new members, Lord, Jessica and her family, Lord, Luna, you would grant the Salanis, Gabriel, Lord, the Khans and their beautiful little girls, you would grant them, Lord, to be strengthened with your power by your spirit in their inner being and strengthen us, Lord, as you add them. Lord, so that Jesus, you would dwell here, you do dwell here, but people would see you, we'd be conformed to you, that we would be rooted and grounded in your love. Lord, strengthen them, strengthen us to comprehend what is the breadth and length and height and depth. Lord, to know your love, Jesus, which surpasses knowledge. Oh, Father, that we would be filled with all the fullness of God. Amazing. I believe that prayer is, is tied precisely to the fact that we are being built into a holy temple, a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Who is adequate for this? No one but the one you call and conform into the image of your son and save and lavish with your generous grace. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, church, you're dismissed. Why don't you come up? Stay here. They're going to give you a big hug. All right? Just stay right here. Come on up and, and, and hug on their necks. If you're a first-time guest, I'd love to say hi to you right through these doors.